those energies as they come up inside of us and we stay focused on loving, all those things rise up and then they keep going up, up in that flow of loving and all of a sudden they just disperse, dissolve, disappear. They were created out of nothing and they go back into nothing. But it's through that action of loving that allows them to move back into the nothingness. And it's the action of loving that we, the creator soul, created out of the nothingness because we created simply reflection. So all we're doing is what? Releasing our own creations, letting go of the reflection we've created in our journey of learning to become co-creators. The soul that is made in the likeness of God, the creator, is learning how to be a co-creator, a creator. So we're learning to create through reflection in this realm of time and space. And to finish the learning of being a co-creator is now fulfilling the creation. And the way of fulfilling is through loving. The loving all brings it to fulfillment. The loving brings the awareness to it all. That's how we learn the lessons. And that's how we liberate ourselves. And that's how we get free from all of that. All the rest is just details. That's why you don't hear me going into many details. I talk more about the principles, the actions, the examples of how it works, the functions. Jim's great with storylines. I know we need the examples. I've never been too much a storyteller, maybe one of these days. Because I know that helps to fill in the details so that we can relate to it more. I gave one story today my, when I was a child. <laughs> now I do the same thing, but on the inner forest instead of the outer. It's the difference, but yet it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just all done inside of ourselves. But most of us are walking around out here, finding our way through the woods, trying to find our way home. When we go into meditation, we're doing the same thing. But we're going inside, finding our way through all the woods. All this, the body chakra systems that I was talking about, that's the inner world, the inner kingdom. It's the same thing that's out here, but you're getting closer to home once you bring it inside. But then you've got to kind of go up, sometimes what's been called to is Jacob's Ladder. There's a ladder. Step after step after step and even beyond the physical through the different realms. It's the rest of the ladder. Well, you just keep walking up the ladder. As you keep focusing on loving, you just naturally rise up step by step. But you're going to have experiences through each of those steps, through each of those chakras, through each of the realms. You're going to have experience. This is part of the journey. So you don't want to avoid, you don't want to resist, you don't want to struggle. Just keep focused on loving and let it unfold. Because in truth, when you really choose God and receive that initiation, you're receiving the hand of God. You're stepping into God's hand. And so as you focus on that, you now allow God to bring you through all those realms. And guess what? God's going to just simply bring you into the experiences of only what you need to finish the lessons. You don't have to go into all these other things that exist out there. You've already probably done most of that in the past anyway, so why repeat it? 
You just don't necessarily remember. If you want to remember, go ahead, go do all the past life regressions, do all your future predicting and prophecy. If you want to create more, that's all part of the journey. Have fun with it. But if you're kind of getting sick and tired of it all, worn you out a little bit, it's fascinating for a while, and then it gets old, and then it's fascinating, and then it gets old, and you say, enough, I just went off. I'm getting nauseous. That's when we simplify. You truly can't get lost, so don't even worry about it. You truly can't go to hell. You're already there. You truly, nothing's impossible, right? It's all possible. We just don't know this until we fully wake up to the truth of spirit. Because in this world of forgetfulness and asleepness, we buy into, we believe, the darkness, the fear, the illusion, the judgments, and all that stuff. But eventually we give it up. So all we're doing on this pathway is really giving it all up. We're giving it all up. We just talk about it in all kinds of different ways. And we always say the main way to give it up is just to go to God. Instead of let go, let God, we say let God. And then the letting go just takes place. That's why we say all these different things. I always like to say you get what you focus on. So be aware. Even in this pathway of liberation, we're still going to step through the path of evolution, all these planetary things, all these group things, and all these personal things. But the more you can bring it back to the personal and then lift it up inside to spirit, which is really impersonal because it's neutral. God loves everybody equally. No one's special on their own. We're all special. It's when we can just move into that action and the simplicity. Then it really all unfolds. It just takes time because there's all these different levels and frequencies to find our way through the forest to get home. Well, it's interesting listening to Brian share. It brought up a few things for me. And one thing, as he was sharing, was how resistant I was early on, on this inner journey. I did look outside quite a bit into the world for answers and solution and understanding. As a child, I had a lot of inner experiences, but I didn't have inner understanding. I didn't have inner clarity. And I didn't have anyone in the world that really could give me understanding of what it was that I was experiencing. And because of that, it caused me to doubt, it caused me to wonder, it caused me to question, and it caused me to look for an answer, for a solution. Well, I got a lot of answers and understanding on the inner, but I didn't know how to apply it into the outer. And as I went out into the outer to try to find application, a way to apply it, I found that Oftentimes, because of the way I expressed myself, people misunderstood and approached me very differently after my, my conversation 
because they did not understand what it was I was searching for or where I was coming from. So I found resistance in the world, but I also found resistance in myself. And that was because as I would go into meditation, as I would go into my prayer time as a child, I would often confront just what Brian was talking about, those places inside where those karmas reside, where those unlearned lessons are waiting to be experienced and to learn and complete them and to move on beyond them. When I would confront those inside of myself, I would immediately turn away and not look at them. I didn't want to feel them. I didn't want to think them. I didn't want to experience them. And so I would stop whatever I was doing in that moment in my prayer, my meditation, and I would get up and I would go out in the world to try to find a way to avoid them. Why? Because I knew that if I sat there in my meditation and I would go into those experiences, I would have to look at something that I would have to look at about myself, something I hadn't fulfilled, something that was incomplete for me that I needed to complete. And I would rather avoid them and go out into the world and pretend that that didn't exist for a while until finally I found that it followed me into the world. So does that make sense to you? Have you ever had that experience where those things inside that you were avoiding all of a sudden showed up in the world and there was no way you could avoid them? They were in another person or they were in situations in your life? Finally, I realized that if I were to go ahead and just take care of them in my prayer and my meditation time and begin to confront those things inside and to deal with them, to love them, to accept them, to forgive them, to begin to take responsibility for whatever that was that I had witnessed inside about myself and to begin to correct it, to balance it, to fulfill it, that I didn't have the confrontation in the world and the confrontation inside at the first time I saw those things was minimal compared to what I had to experience in the world. A good example is I was in second grade. And in second grade, I was one of 22 students in the class. My teacher's name was Mrs. Sullivan. She was a great teacher. She took care of each one of us and gave us a lot of personal attention. And during my nap time is my time where I would do a lot of my then what I called prayer, where I would spend time in my prayer talking to God every day. And so while everybody else was asleep, I would be doing my prayer. Well, sometimes I would confront certain things about myself that I needed to stand up into and to fulfill in my life in some way. And one of those things that I remember very clearly experiencing in the second grade, laying there on my little blanket or towel, whatever that was that I laid on at the time, uh, supposedly asleep, was about being truthful with myself and then being truthful into the world. And I really didn't understand fully what that meant. So I remember one day after experiencing this several times in my prayer during the nap sessions, going to Mrs. Sullivan and asking her, what does that mean to be truthful to yourself and then to take that truthfulness out into the world? And 
She said, well, that's a very good question, and I don't know very many people that really could answer that fully. And I'll tell you what I think that means, but this is my, my understanding of it. And so she began to explain to me what it was to be truthful to yourself. And it made sense. It made sense. It meant to her really honoring that truth inside of yourself and discover what your truth really is and honor it and realize that it's going to change from time to time. And I remember when she said that, I thought, oh, that makes sense. It's going to change from time to time. As you grow, your truth is going to grow, and it's going to change with that growth. But then she said something that didn't line up inside of me and caused me confusion. And she said, but to take your truth out into the world, you're going to find that it's going to get stomped on. And so you keep your truth inside yourself, and you listen to other people share what's going on for them, and you might find a place where you can participate or share a little bit of your truth, but for the most part, you're going to want to keep that silent and quiet inside and don't tell people what your full truth is because they'll just hurt you with it. And I thought, ooh, that didn't feel right. That didn't line up inside of me, but yet I took it on. A few weeks later, I saw an incident in the hallway between a student that was in our classroom and a different teacher across the hall and another student. And one of the students had started to pick on my friend, this one in my classroom, and wanted to get into a fight. And my friend didn't want to fight. He did not want to have to get into a fight. And he turned and he started yelling at this, this, this other guy that was confronting him. And in the, in the confrontation of yelling at this guy to leave him alone, to go away, the other teacher walked out of her classroom and looked at, at him and made him wrong, got him into trouble, and grabbed him and was going to take him to the principal's office, didn't even ask what was going on. In that process, I had witnessed what had actually happened, and I also witnessed the teacher not asking to find out the full truth, grabbing my friend, and off to the principal's office, she started to go. And I stood there, and I went, oh, my God, now what do I do? This is the confrontation between... Do you step forward in your truth and share it, or do you hold it in? So I went over to her as they were walking down the hall, and I said, Stop, stop, you don't know the whole thing. And I began to tell her the story as I had seen it. She got mad at me. She let go of my friend, grabbed my hand, and started taking me to the principal's office. Left him alone. Because... It was worse that I was contradicting her, that I was making her wrong, than what my friend had done with this other person. So off we go, and as we're walking down the hall, I was going, I should have listened to my teacher. I should have listened to Mrs. Sullivan. <laughs> I should have kept quiet and not said a thing. But off we went, and I had opened the door and, uh, in this way, and so off I went to see what the consequences were going to be. When we got there, we sat there for a while. I kept wanting to talk to her more, and she just kept hushing me up. So we went in. We sat down with the principal. She complained. She yelled. She talked about me like she knew me all my life, and I was a terrible boy and never obeyed. And I'm kind of going, what? You know, giving this whole storyline about me that 
that wasn't true. And so then the principal looked at me and she said, he said, so now tell me what, what, what happened? Why are you here? And so I began sharing with him what had happened, what, it, what I had seen and why I spoke up to the teacher. And he looked at the teacher and he said to her, he said, so are you hearing what he's saying? And she said, I don't have to hear what he's saying. I know what happened. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? Why don't you go on back to class and let me have a talk with her? And you don't worry about this. It's all okay. And she grabbed my arm and she said, so you're a VIP, huh? And I said, I, I thought inside I had no idea what a VIP was. And I'm going, VIP, VIP. And I go, I don't know what a VIP is. She said, yep, just go on to class. You're just another VIP. And I walked around for weeks trying to figure out what a VIP was. <laughs> I looked up in the dictionary. There was no VIP. So I had no idea what she was referring to till finally I asked Mrs. Sullivan. And I told her what had happened. And she had heard about it a little bit because the teacher across the hall complained about me. <clears throat> but she knew me better than what the other teacher was saying. And I asked her what a VIP was. And she goes, a VIP? I said, yeah, she called me a VIP, VIP. And, oh, she said, honey, that's not, that's not VIP. That's very important person. So she thinks you're a very important person or that you think you're a very important person. And I started in this whole other conversation with her about very important person, about how I really did think I was a very important person, but I thought everyone was because we're all a child of God. And as we were talking, she said, do you know what? As I'm listening to you share, I'm realizing that I don't want to give you a lot of information. I want you to find your own truth. I think that maybe I've already misdirected you when I said, don't tell people out there your truth because they'll only step on it. She said, you may be seven years old, but you're stronger and older in, in your wisdom than a person of 70 years old. So tell people your truth, because I needed to hear that just now. I needed to hear that I was a very important person. I needed to hear that I'm a child of God. And maybe I needed to hear it from a child in order to really understand it and to get it clearly. So thank you. And from now on, speak up, share your words, share your understanding, and, and get it from your own inner self. Don't listen to people out there. If you listen to people out there, then you would believe that woman across the hall who's telling me that you're just a terrible kid. You're looking for trouble and you're causing trouble everywhere you go. And I know you don't do that. And you don't need to listen to other people in the world telling you who you are when you know who you are. So honor that. And so at that moment, I realized that those things inside that I was confronting in my meditation or my prayer time, which really was prayer time when I was a child, that I would confront inside myself, I just needed to go on and deal with them inside, honor them, love them. Forgive them, deal with them, whatever it was. Begin to move the energy and let it come into expression. Let it come into manifestation. And not look into the world to either avoid it or have to go into the world to experience it.
and I found its shortcut in life, and that was to do the inner work first. And the outer work was really a short process. But if I didn't do the inner work, if I avoided the inner work, then it became a longer road to walk because the experience in the outer alone is a long journey. It's a long journey. It can take four lifetimes to learn one lesson. Four lifetimes. Both in the Hebrew Bible and in the New Testament, there is a statement. Elijah said it. Isaiah said it. Jesus said it. It is within four lifetimes that the sin of the Father is passed on. Well, that's about us. We are the creator and we are the one that live our creations. And if we do not get a lesson learned in a lifetime, it follows us into the next, and into the next, and into the next. And I have witnessed it very clearly, watching people's growth, both in evolution and in liberation. And it can take four lifetimes for a soul to learn one lesson. And the soul is here to learn a lot of lessons to have a lot of experience. So that means that it can take, in Hebrew terms, many embodiments, and in Eastern terms, many incarnations, or reincarnations, in order to fulfill that. Or it can be done in one or two lifetimes by truly living in awareness of the inner and moving it into the outer and not looking to the outer for fulfillment, for completion, or for the answer. The answer is inside. But where the answer resides is not in the mind or the emotions or the body. It resides in the soul. And so it's for us to wake up to the soul first. Wake up here, and then we begin to know. We begin to understand. We begin to have clarity we begin to move into wisdom. We begin to live in the loving. We begin to know the truth of truths. And then life becomes simple and easy and filled with grace and peace and joy and loving in a way that it will never be if we are always looking into the world, looking to another person for the answer, looking to a book for solutions. Because the truth, the answer, the solution, the loving that we are longing for and ever looking for into the world resides right here. And once we wake up to it here, then we begin to live life fully. And until then, we are living piecemeal. We are living parts of life, but not the whole of life. And the way I have found the whole of life to be lived is to wake up first into who we are as soul and that soul to share its loving with God and to be vulnerable and open to receive God's loving and to begin to move into that river of loving, that sharing of loving, that giving and receiving. And it's in the loving, in the movement of loving, that life is fulfilled. It's only in that movement of loving it isn't in the mind, it isn't in the emotions, it isn't in the body. So if we can begin to find that way for ourselves, 
to enter into that action of loving first, we will find our joy. We will find our peace. And we will find our fulfillment. We will fulfill those lessons we came here to learn. And in that fulfillment, we will stand in the truth, in the knowing of that truth, in the wisdom of that truth. And there's no greater gift that you can give to yourself than that. And the world can't give it to you. If it could, we would already be there. And if we are already are there, for the most part I would say that you have lived from the inside out rather than the outside in. And that's why you're there. It's by living from the inner first and expressing from there the truth of your being into the world that you find your fulfillment. So give time each day. Give time each day to go inside and to discover a little bit more about who you truly are, the truth of yourself, not the illusion that the world has put upon you or that you have created for yourself, but the truth. And that means first letting go of the illusion, first meeting up to those illusions, meeting up with conflict inside yourself, meeting up with resistance, and walking through it in loving and honoring and accepting it, and seeing what that's about. Learn what is inside of you. Learn the lesson. Come to understanding of the truth of who you are inside. There is strength that is beyond words. There is wisdom beyond understanding at this level in the world. And there is loving greater than you can ever imagine. And it all starts by sitting down, closing your eyes, and going inside. But not holding your focus into the world or on the world or on the knowledge of the world, but on the truth and the wisdom of soul and spirit and God. What did Moses say? What have all great mystics said for us to pay attention to first? There is but one God, and have no other gods before me. So put God first. Hold your attention on God first, and have no other gods before that presence. Not money, not lust, not food, not other people, not books, not the world, not your body. Nothing, have nothing before you and God to be worshipped. Have God first and God only, and everything flows in a beautiful, harmonious action of expansion, of awakening, and of living. And we've placed a lot of things between us and God that need to be brought down dissolved, 
released so that we can truly develop a one-on-one relationship and live in that divine flow, live in that divine loving all the time. It's right here, right now, inside each of us. Since 18, I was 18 years old, I have shared pretty much the same thing. And there are a few people that get it. When I used to share about the psychic, I would have tens and twenties and fifties and hundreds of people coming to listen about the psychic. But when I would start talking about God, they'd start walking out the door and a few would remain because the psychic is more appealing. It feeds the imagination. It honors the lower realms. But when you start talking about God, there's something that shifts. And that is because spirit and soul and God calls us to be responsible for our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and our reactions. And a lot of people don't want to be responsible for that or have to do that. They would rather play the game of the mind, of the emotion, and of the body. And it's a great game. It's a lot of fun. I know it. I've walked it. I've been there. I've done it. And a lot of us have. And that's just fine. Because it's a part of the pathway of getting eventually and ultimately to the place of our soul awakening, of our soul returning. So honor every part of the journey, honor every part of the pathway, and live it fully, and walk it fully. But when a part of the journey comes to a close, move on to what's next, and then move on to what's next. And there's always a what's next. Even now for me, even though I have moved into the heart of God, even though I have a one-on-one relationship with God, there's always a what's next. As long as you're in the body, there's a what's next. There's always more to awaken into. There's always more loving to experience. And how that loving wants to manifest is what's next as well for me. So no matter where you are on your journey, put God first in that experience where you are. Ask God in that, wherever you are in your journey. Say, God, you that dwell here at this level of experience, reveal yourself to me. Let me see the greater truth that resides here in the world and in me at this level and watch and see what happens. That's what I've always done. That's how I've gained the insight, the understanding, the wisdom that I have today. I haven't looked to a book or to a a teacher. I have looked to, to God in everything because God is in everything. And if you ask God in everything to reveal itself to you, it will. But 
you also have to be awakening to God inside of you for you to be able to really witness it and honor it and understand it fully. But ask and you shall receive. Ask and God will show itself to you. And you might be very surprised what you do have revealed to you in that process. So let that be part of the game this week, if you will. Wherever you go, with a person, with an inanimate object or an adamant object, it can be a stone, it can be a tree, it can be a bird, it can be a dog, it can be a child, it can be an adult, it can be your car. Say, God, you that dwell in this, reveal yourself to me. Let me know you, let me understand you as you live and dwell within this. And just see what comes forward. It might be an eye-opener. And when I say that, it might be your spiritual eye-opening. Not eyes-opener, but an eye-opener. And with that, I'll bring it to a close. All right, well, thank you all very much, and we'll see you next Sunday.